seconds flat. Give me up. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Black Zero. Oh, my God. Welcome in to mile 80 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. We are glad to have you with us. Travis here. Got my good friend, my baby boy, Cosmo. Hey, hey, hey. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. How are you? Good. I have you remote via the Zoom today rather than in the Sansuchi studio. I know. We miss you here. I am. I'm in the heartland today. That's right. Uh, With family. Beautiful day here. Took a little drive through the country this afternoon. Sunny, upper 70s. Spirits are high. Okay. Farmers are out getting ready to plant. It is a wonderful time of year. Yeah. We are going to get in today to our favorite quotes to inspire your running journey. These are not necessarily quotes about running. In fact, I will say I don't know that any of mine are. This is more about the words that we might call on for some inspiration for some motivation, not just that rah-rah fired up speech the night before or morning of a race, but all throughout your training cycle. Before we do that, Cosmo, I want to catch the people up on two things very briefly. Okay. And if you have more, feel free to fire away. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. So first... We had the first track meet at the new Hayward Field. Last weekend, Cole Hawker, who we've talked about here endlessly in recent episodes, the NCAA indoor champ in the mile and 3K, he won the premier event at the new Hayward Field, the 1500 in an NCAA leading three minutes and 38 seconds. Some quick times in the 5,000 as well. Women's 15 was a great event as BYU swept the top spots over their rivals from Arkansas. But the biggest story for me from the weekend is just the majesty of that facility. I know it was super late night, West Coast, and you got a bunch of young kids running around over there. Were you able to catch any of it, Cosmo? I wasn't, unfortunately. I didn't catch any of it. I was doing enough for both of us. Yeah, you were. When I got to a pretty dark place when it was like maybe a quarter till midnight and I was just absolutely dialed into the javelin. Mm, Okay. And I think I had like a 5.30 a.m. alarm for running and work the next morning, but Mm. that place is absolutely beautiful. I cannot wait to see what it looks like filled with fans. That was just my immediate impression. And I I went to the uh, Oregonian, the Portland newspaper uh, Mm -hmm. that covers track and field so well. And there was a quote from Coach Johnson of Oregon who said essentially the same thing. You thought it was great tonight. Wait till we get people in here. And it's jam-packed. And you have that environment like you used to get on – 
the backstretch in front of the grandstand when the crowd would come to its feet as one. Mm -hmm. We have lamented here many times the loss of Old Hayward, just the history that came with that iconic structure. We did an episode early on of our, our favorite moments in, in the history of, of that great stadium. But I am excited for what this is going to be when U.S. championships and world championship next year, Olympic qualifiers, NCAA titles are held there, and we get to marvel at a stadium that really sets up like one of those great European stadiums, maybe that you would even see for uh, like a soccer feel in some yeah. of those great old stadiums of, of England or Germany. So that was remarkable. Check out the images. Kudos to Runner Space for broadcasting that live, free, online, so folks like me on the East Coast could stay up all night and watch Javelin in Eugene. It was fantastic. Other big moment from the weekend, Ruth Chepengedich is your new women's half marathon world record holder. That's right. Set that on Eastern Easter morning in Istanbul. She ran a 10402. <laughs> yeah. Mommy, mommy. That is 453 mile pace. That's fast. That's well said, Cosmo. I think that's one second faster than my mile time right now. Yes. Uh, and she's strung together 13.1 of them. Absolutely cooking. Yes. From the great Ruth Chep and Gedich. So that was really fun to uh, wake up. And I did not try to stay up and get a really, really early morning internet broadcast of that one. I had done my work for the weekend, so I just woke up to the result nice. and excited to see that. That women's half marathon time and the corresponding event for men's half marathon world record is one that we have consistently seen broken over the lifetime of our program. Yeah. I think a big part of it is the increased focus on racing at that distance. Okay. When we go back to uh, like the, in American running, the shorter Rogers, Meyer era, our icons of the 70s and then 80s up through Salazar, it wasn't an immensely popular distance. You might road race 10K and then some off distances or what we perceive as off distances now, like the 20, 25, 30 K were more popular. And the half marathon was a, maybe a late arrival to the party. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, and we've seen several uh, Americans hold the half marathon record over time, but if mm -hmm. you look at its trajectory and then, uh, how much they've cut into that record in the past uh, really two decades, but even the past few years. Yeah. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Now, unfortunately, as we've seen with some other distances, a, a few of those people later had results get eradicated because of performance enhancing substances being used. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're now in this 64 minute range for women. We're seeing the men under 59. So fast. It is. It's scorching. And as an aside, I am hopeful. Uh, we, we've seen the women's American record targeted and broken a, a few times in recent years, particularly at Houston. Mm -hmm. In that always fast January marathon and half they have there. But 
We haven't seen the men's targeted as much recently. We did have Rupp in Rome. That's been now three years ago. He's kind of been lurking in the shadows for about a year now. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about him in about that time. Right? Since the trials last year, he's with, with the new coach, with Mike Smith. He did this little sneaky kind of quiet half marathon time trial in Eugene. Not, not a racing situation. And I don't even know if it was intended to be uber fast or if it was a workout or what their goals were. But he's kind of laying in the weeds here, uh, sneaking around the chicken coop, maybe. At his age, he's still in his prime. I think he's probably 36 now. I know the target is a medal in Tokyo. Yeah, And it feels like if he's going to make another run at that half marathon American record, this could be the year. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see it. Uh, So that could bring some energy and excitement if we could get a half marathon here in the States targeting the American record. Cosmo, anything else new and happening that you would like to add? Or do you want to just start quoting things? I think you covered it. You do such a good job. Oh, stop it. I'm blushing. (laughs) It's true. All right, buddy. So I'm going to pass this to you first. Okay. We have not discussed our entries here. We've decided we're going to pick at least three each. These are not necessarily quotes, words of wisdom, particularly to running, about running, but those that are applicable to our lives as runners. Yes. Cosmo, take it away, my friend. Okay. I was going to start with... Theodore Roosevelt's April 23rd, 1910 at the Sorbonne in Paris. Mm. Absolute classic. Yes, I agree. Um, Many different people call it different things, but the Citizenship and the Republic speech. I believe that's the formal title is is Citizen and a Republic. We often uh, hear this referred to as the man in the arena speech that's right. because of a, that's a great passage within it that I presume you're going to speak to. And now I'm you just know, stepping on your toes. So go you ahead. No, you know, that's where I'm going. I'm going to um, limit it to those what three to four paragraphs there. Mm-hmm. Um, so here it is. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at best, knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Mm. Beautiful. It's so good. And the way you read that was good, too. I, I know the, the speech intimately, and I was hanging on every word there. Nicely done. Well, yeah, yeah, some voiceover work, you know, in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Before you share what that means to you and why it's so important, I'll touch on a couple of things here. One, that last line about daring greatly. Mm-hmm. A reading recommendation from Brene Brown. Her book titled 
uh, daring greatly, which, uh, which gets its inspiration from this passage by Teddy Roosevelt. But I, I really recommend it dives more into just being vulnerable, which I think can be an important aspect in our training and racing. You have to take risks. That's you have right. to put yourself in a vulnerable place. You have to be willing to fail. And, and that's what Roosevelt says. It's not the guy who tells you your race stunk. Mm-hmm. What does that voice matter? Right. What matters is that you put yourself in the position to take the chance. You'll never know without the risk what you could accomplish. Mm-hmm. That's right. It is an absolutely r- remarkable speech. And um, knowing you as well as I do, I know that that one is pinned up visibly for you to see. <laughs> I have, uh, I actually have used to have a poster with the speech on it with a picture of Roosevelt, um, mm-hmm. but I have it written out as well. And uh, there's a few of these that I, I keep, this is a recommendation I have for everyone that how you can use these mm-hmm. is maybe uh, along with your goals, putting these somewhere that you're going to see every day, refrigerator under a magnet, Maybe it's uh, on the mirror that you go to every day when you get out of the shower so that there is the constant reminder. Uh, so Cosmo, what does this uh, particularly mean to you? Well, I too was reminded of the speech by Brene Brown's book on vulnerability and shame, you know, and her shame research. And, you know, after I read it in that, in that book, I, I wrote it down with my own hand and, and put it on the wall because, you know, I have a hard time when I fail. I don't like to do it. <laughs> I don't like to to err or to come short again and again. Um, so for me, it was a, it's a reminder that taking risks um, it, it's um, it's an opportunity to to do something new to to be in the arena again to try. It's a reminder that other voices don't matter at the end of the day. The voice of the critic. Um, it, it should hold no sway on uh, the decisions I make and how hard I work or, or what I'm working toward. And, you know, uh, maybe whatever I'm doing at the moment, um, that this motivates me toward, I may, I may fail, you know, I may, it may happen again, but it's going to be, um, it, it's going to aid in my growth more than it is going to kill me, you know? So, um, there, there are a few pieces of this of this speech that I love, but as a, as a whole, it's, it's a reminder of those two things, not to let the critic count. And, and also th- that failure isn't, um, isn't the end. I love, I love this speech. So this is not one of my quotes, but I am reminded of it with what you just mentioned. It has been said that there is no such thing as failure. That's right. There are only successes and opportunities to learn. Mm -hmm. But that is about how we internalize that moment when we, as Roosevelt states, came up short. Mm -hmm. And we can really use those moments that we don't necessarily love, right? Right. To learn and and be better and reach success in our running in the future. Yeah. He says, uh, there is no effort without error or shortcoming, <laughs> you know, like there's, you're either trying or you're doing nothing, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. That's, it's a, it's a great quote. 
And even in our greatest races or our best workouts or, or our longest runs, we make mistakes, right? And we look back and think we could have done that thing better. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's drawing on that point as well, that even at our best, we're not perfect. We're human. Mm-hmm. Never forget that. So good. And you, uh, you were mentioning earlier, you were talking a little bit about, you know, what to do with these types of inspirational bits, these quotes, maybe putting them on your mirror, putting alongside your goals. We may, we don't have to go into this now. We can table it and go into it later, but I'd love to ask you, what about the people who don't have any goals right now or don't have any, they have nothing they're working towards. Um, the, the the folks who just can't find the motivation, inspiration, or they don't know they don't know what to do next. Yeah, so that's a great question, Cosmo, and it's in part why I wanted to do this episode. Yeah, that maybe there's something here that folks could lock onto. Yeah, and carry with them day by day. Yeah, but it's it's also why we are with absolute certainty going to move to a goal setting episode sometime in the near future, whether that's a standalone or it's something I've thought about as uh, we get into next fall. There is an incredible window of time next fall where all the marathon majors are happening just like one week after the next. Yeah. And local marathons, a lot of them are starting back up in the, in the fall as well. I know I've gotten multiple emails from some of my favorite races here recently. Registration is opening now for fall 2021. We're coming back and we can't be certain that they'll all happen, but it seems like in some form most will. And so maybe a fall marathon build-up series that begins with some finding inspiration, finding goals, how to set those is a good place. So we will 100% come back to that because I do believe that this episode is at least in part a segue to helping people along that goal setting path. Mm -hmm. I will give you just one piece to start with on that because it connects to what I said here about writing these quotes down or, or having them in a place where you can see them easily and frequently. Writing things down by hand is hugely significant in this process. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if you were looking for one place to start, whether it's one of these quotes that you go now and after you listen to us, you look something up on the internet and find the quote that inspires you, or it's just the goals that you have, or one that I love is the, the people that you run for, your who, writing those names down, having them there to easily see to, to have that constant reminder, that's the place where I'd start. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt, man, uh, we so readily in today's world judge people based on, we, we judge them out of their time period. We're really bad about not considering the circumstances in which someone lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I won't get into every historical figure in their political place. But man, Teddy Roosevelt is, he's a top five president for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the quote and I love the lifestyle that he embodied. It connects us well with my first one I'll go to, one that's from the Roosevelt era that is very much uh, Victorian in its background. 
you know, Roosevelt is described in, by one of his biographers as a romantic. And we mean that not in the sense of like you, Cosmo, candlelight and Barry White music. I know <laughs> that you are the modern romantic, but this is, this is a romantic in the 19th century Victorian sense right. of a, a belief in the heroic person, a belief that each man can or woman can have outsized impact on the world, a belief in the strenuous life. So my first quote comes from that same time period. This is from William Ernest Hensley and his poem Invictus. So Invictus is invoked in the film of the same title, the recent film featuring the story of Nelson Mandela's journey through apartheid imprisonment in South Africa and his subsequent unification of the country culturally post-apartheid through their national rugby team. So great story of sport as a vehicle for greater change in our world, which it so often can be. Mm-hmm. Mandela frequently read this poem to himself while imprisoned on Robbins Island. Really? And my favorite little snippet from Invictus reads, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. So good. Invictus is Latin for invincible. And this passage is deeply about fortitude in the face of adversity and our ability to stay disciplined. What incredible lessons for running. Mm -hmm. We constantly face those. It might be in our long race, whatever long means to you, 5K, 10K, marathon. But it, it also could just be in that struggle through a long run in training and that struggle through a hard workout. We're going to face adversity. We have to stay disciplined. And what I love here in being the master of my fate and the captain of my, uh, of my soul is Hensley shows a focus on controlling only what we can control than yeah. not worrying about everything else. And that is such easy advice to give, but so difficult to internalize and stick to when you are adrift in a rocky sea. Mm-hmm. Still, those words can be such an incredible and powerful anchor that you can cling to in the challenging moments of your training if you allow yourself. I believe that Hensley wrote this in a time of facing really grave physical, okay. I don't want to say danger, but it, he was like a post a surgery. There might've been, a, you can correct me if I'm misspeaking here, but I, I believe it was possibly even uh, facing an amputation of, of a leg. He was calling again on that individual heroicism mm-hmm. that TR as a romantic would appreciate and then controlling what you can control and don't worry about anything else. And for most of us on race day, this is both good and bad. 
many of us are not racing in the sense that we're not necessarily competing to win at every race. Hopefully, in the competitive moments late in a race, you are pushing to beat someone who is near you. Hopefully, we're all doing that. But many of us go to the line in, say, a marathon, just hoping to hit a time or just hoping to get to the finish. So I can think of no better place where just controlling what you can control is significant because if you get caught up in somebody else's race, that's the easiest way to blow up a marathon really early. Mm -hmm. Or if you get caught up in running somebody else's workout and the first rep is way too fast, you're going to blow that whole thing up. That's right. And, And so that's why I love Invictus as inspiration to carry over into running. Yeah, I love the second verse of that poem as well, where it says, Please. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Um, it sounds like running to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it, sound, it sounds like mile 20 through 26, you know. Yeah, good choice. How- how quickly you pulled up that second paragraph suggests to me that you had this on your list. That's right. It was number two for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm sorry to step on your toes, but that's part of the fun of not knowing that bloody, but unbowed line is fantastic. And that gets referenced throughout the history of now. This is a hundred thirty, hundred forty ish years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of great moments where that speech is read and the bloody but unbowed line gets mm-hmm. emphasized. That's, mm-hmm. that's spectacular. Yeah. All right, Cosmo, give me number two, big boy. Now that I stole yours, you're going to have to bump somebody up. All right. This is an interesting one because I'm, well, let me read it first. It's by Paolo Coelho. Yes. I actually first saw it on... It was either in a documentary or, no, it was an article I read on the great Eliot Kipchoge. But on his wall, he's got this quote. If you want to be successful, you must respect one rule. Never lie to yourself. Hmm. I'm still working that one out, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, It means a lot of different things to me, I think. You know, from if I want want to be successful in life... um, uh, always, always being honest, um, not only with others, but with what my intentions are, what my goals are, what my, what I'm trying to do, what I want in, in running, um, not going out too hard, uh, and lying to myself that I can keep up a pace that I don't, I, I can't sustain, you know, there's, there's a lot of different facets to this one. Had you heard it before? I am familiar. It is, uh, it's not on my list. So fortunately you didn't steal. Nothing is pilfered. Okay. I am familiar. A fantastic quote. Yeah. A lot to unpack in such (laughs) words. There are. Yeah. It's a lot. You make a tremendous point uh, about how many ways this can apply to us. And I think we're all striving to be better. Yeah, day by day, absolutely. right? And to be better in, in multiple ways, running mm-hmm. being one of them, but just as people, uh, to, to draw on your first quote again, that doesn't mean we won't make mistakes. Right. That doesn't mean we won't fall short 
but hopefully we don't fall short in the same ways we did in the past. We learn from those, we get better, but being honest with ourselves, man, that, that is fundamental. Yeah. And at yeah. times can be harder than, uh, harder than being honest with other people. You know, yeah. sometimes you can't see uh, the blind spots that you've got and you need someone else to call that out. So, yeah, that's what you and I talk about is, you know, before we started recording today, even just catching up on your workout today and what my role even is for you mm-hmm. is, is just being aware, as, as you said, of those blind spots. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. That's, that's another great one, Matt. Yeah. Well done. What about you? Okay. Number two. I'm going to go number two. I'm going to take you to high school English class. Oh, boy. Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Billy. Billy Shakes. <laughs> Billy Shakes. That's terrible. This comes from Julius Caesar. Act four, scene two. Okay. I read this. I, I read the entire play probably about once a year. Okay. It's one of my absolute favorites. If you haven't read Julius Caesar, do yourself a favor and read Shakespeare's absolute best work. I will go to my grave believing that. Okay. As the young people say, don't at me. That's right. That's what they say. Unquestionably, (laughs) Julius Caesar is superior to your Romeo and Juliet, your Hamlet, your Macbeth. There's some fine works. But here's to Mrs. Williams, high school English class, for making me read this one for the first time. I'm sure she listens, so she'll appreciate this. I bet she does. Uh, Hello so, to Mrs. Williams. Yes. Act four, scene two. There is a tide in the affairs of men, which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune. Omitted all the voyage of their life, is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. I may need to be spot-checked on that because I believe that's precise. I've memorized this one over I, the I was years. I about to say, did you, did, did you just quote that to me? You just, I did. You just, you were looking in my eyes as you were saying. <laughs> uh, there was a fiery connection. I was, I was <laughs> quoting that. So uh, for some context here, that yeah. there is a tide in the affairs of men. That line has become quite famous, taken yeah. from this. Perhaps nowhere better than an episode from the teen soap opera drama one tree hill i'm sure you were a huge fan in the early 2000s i'd heard Uh, of it yeah i I, there is an episode i believe i've been told at -hmm. least you know i i didn't i don't want to say i watched every episode when i was in college but i was told when i was in college by someone who watched every episode Gotcha. Okay. Who, who also watched all the episodes of Dawson's Creek, <laughs> that in an episode of One Tree Hill, Chad Michael Murray's character quotes okay. Act 4, Scene 2 of, of Julius Caesar, beginning with <laughs> There is a Tide in the Affairs of Men. For some context here, this play is written, really couched in this epic struggle yeah. of fate versus free will. Mm-hmm. 
that interplay is almost constant. Think of the most famous line from Julius Caesar, and people will be aware of this even if they've not read it. Mm -hmm. That is early on the warning from the soothsayer to Caesar when he says simply, beware the Ides of March. Mm -hmm. It's date at the midpoint of March in which the soothsayer suggests something bad is going to happen to you. And so Mm -hmm. it's this fate on one hand versus then later Shakespeare writing, there's a tide in the affairs of men. And we have this opportunity to take that, to make our decision, to to follow through with our own free will. Mm -hmm. And if we take it, it leads on to fortune. But if it's omitted, it is bound in shallows and in miseries. And he says, on such a full sea are we now afloat. We are in one of those moments. So this is my race-specific quote. This is the one I would go to the day before. I am not much for the rah-rah speech before the actual event. At Mm -hmm. that point, I think you need to focus, uh, to regroup on how you want to execute, what you want to do tactically, reminders if it's a long race about when am I taking my nutrition. Not so much getting fired up. If you're not already fired up, and if you're not a little nervous, it means you probably don't care. Yeah. But the night before, that last little extra yeah. from, from Act 4, Scene 2 can work for you. Yeah. Uh, because what we're seeing here, what Shakespeare is suggesting, is when you are fully primed and fully prepared and you get a race day opportunity, you have to seize it because those chances are so fleeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like our very lives, it's it's just gone in the snap of a fingers, these race day opportunities. And moreover, taking that tide, as Shakespeare suggests, can lead to a different breakthrough. You yep. might have a newfound confidence, and you might begin competing at a higher level in the future than you ever imagined because you took the risk. We're on the full sea. We take that current we may then ride that boat on a full sea many more times. But if we pass on it, we might be perpetually stuck on the shore, mm-hmm. never able to reach new heights or that far off distant island in which we are better versions of ourselves time and time again in future racing situations. Well, so, so number two, thank you. Thank you. Number two for me, Julius Caesar, Act 4, Scene 2 from Shakespeare. Was that Brutus um, speaking in passages? That, that is a passage, or excuse me, that is a conversation occurring between Cassius and Brutus deciding if it is now time to attack uh, Mark Antony. That's right. So this is the era uh, post Caesar's death. Yeah. We might be going quickly <laughs> off, off, off a precipitous Shakespearean ledge right now, but yeah. this is post the assassination of Caesar okay. as we move towards the era of the triumvirate and then what will happen next. Yeah. And let, let me walk us back before I get stuck in Roman history of nearly 2,000 years ago. I kind of wanted to see where that would take you, actually. <laughs> well, you knew you were setting me up. You were lobbing me a watermelon for me to smack out of the park there. But I caught myself 
and <laughs> we'll regroup and I will ask you, what's your third quote? Well, I'll go with the running quote, a, a quote um, from a runner. The quote goes like this. Every run is a work of art, a drawing on each day's canvas. Some runs are shouts, and some runs are whispers. Some runs are eulogies, and others celebrations. Yeah, I loved, uh, I loved that, because every, every run is so different. Um, not just in, it's, is it an easy day, or is it a workout, or is it a long day, but you, you bring into every run the, you know, the, the events from the previous day or the, you know, the emotions that you had going in. There's so much more to the run than the, the prescription, you know. I thought it was beautifully said. My takeaway there is to remember to embrace the differences and nuances within each run. Mm-hmm. Because we so often get caught up in, I'm just going to go put these miles in. Yeah but something remarkable could be happening within even the simplest runs. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Uh, No one's ever commented to me about it, but I continue to do it regularly. When I log my runs on Strava, it tends to be kind of a condensed version of what I write out in my handwritten log that also goes into a spreadsheet on my computer, a calendar, so that I can visualize the whole year essentially at once. Mm -hmm. I can go back into my handwritten and see day by day with a lot of extended thoughts. I will write shorter captions, um, sometimes no caption at all, when I enter a, a run into Strava. But one thing that I always do when I put them in is I note any time during a run that I spot at least one Blue Jay. I have noticed this. Why why is that? The Blue Jay is by far my favorite bird, although my understanding is it's quite a mean bird within the kingdom of birds. Okay. But I love its color. I find that mix of the kind of soft, almost Carolina blue. Mm-hmm. with a more royal blue trimmed in white to be really just breathtaking when I see it in nature. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the element of, of knowing how the seasons are changing based on where I am and if I see this bird. Mm-hmm. And so I note that every time. I'm sure people think it's completely stupid. It's done intentionally because it is a reminder to a degree of what you just quoted, to be aware of the simple goodness that we might find in any one run. When I run a ton of miles, and sometimes they can just start to add up and feel kind of meh and all the same. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's helped me just appreciate and enjoy them in Mm The, the silliest way and, and I'll log a run and I'll have a long run and I'll be like, yeah, I saw two blue Jays at mile six and swung back by and caught them again at 14. Like nobody cares. Yeah. That's fine. I don't write that training log for other people. It keeps me in touch with these so, so many things that we love about running. 
-hmm. not just the miles we ran and the amount of time it took us to complete those miles. That's good. I saw a couple of Blue Jays the other day with a, with a runner friend of ours, uh, Esther Atkins, down there on oh. the cro- at the Croc Center on the turf. Wonderful. She said, look, two Blue Jays. I was like, hmm, that means something to someone. <laughs> I couldn't remember who it was, and now I remember. It's you. That's funny. It is me. I hope, I hope that both of you noted it in your running logs. I didn't, but I have something similar with Cardinals. Just as an Okay. Yeah, yeah, so you're not alone. I just don't document them. I don't, I'm not one to criticize the Cardinal. But the, <laughs> car, the Cardinal is not a, an especially smart bird. Oh, okay. Well. They're the ones that are flying into your window because they think they can go right through it. I've seen that this has happened at my house, yes. Yeah. Well, we've we've explored romanticism, uh, Shakespeare, yeah, the... ornithology. I'm going to take us full circle okay. with my third quote here. We have someone who is both a poet and a philosopher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've touched on both of those here. And this is... Uh, without question, and by far, my number one favorite quote, it's not going to get you fired up for a race, so I apologize. I already tried to give you that with Caesar. (laughs) This is an ode to consistency. This is the foundation, the bedrock upon which your training cycle is built. This comes from the Roman Lucretius who wrote in one simple sentence, the drops of rain make a hole in the stone, not by violence, but by oft falling. Mm. Okay, this is a uh, first century BC Roman philosopher, poet. So good. Who is telling us a single great workout. He was was talking about running. He knew, he knew. A a single great workout or a single great long run does not make the distance runner. Mm -hmm. Rather, it is the compilation of days, weeks, months, and even years of steady, healthy, consistent action. It's not one great storm. The drops of rain make a hole in the stone, not by violence but by oft falling. Mm-hmm. The one great storm doesn't tear through the rock. It doesn't change the river's course. It doesn't feed the field for an entire season. Yeah. But the consistent force of rain can and will. Remember that. Call yep. on it. Yep. Every time you are forced to make the decision about getting out in the cold or deciding between a water and a soda or slogging through some miles that maybe you're not really excited about. Uh, You know, this time of year for us, maybe it's been that first day with a bunch of humidity. Boy, that can smack you in the mouth, can it? Yeah. But the right consistent decision, not the one huge, epic, forceful one, that makes the runner. And I think there's something to be said for that as a racer. I would love to be able to consistently run good races rather than just have a one-off and flop for the rest of my career. Yeah. And maybe something even more to be said about it, uh, about us as people. 
those who consistently just strive to be better, as we've talked about, strive to make the right decision when it's put in front of them. Even if we didn't in the past, today is a day with an opportunity to make that decision. This is another quote that's not on my list, but as former Oregon football coach Chip Kelly would say, simply win the day. Yeah. Make the consistent decision each day and then to draw on Lucretius, if you win enough days, the drops of rain will make a hole in the stone and you will have success when it matters most. That's good. Are you telling me that I still, I can still possibly make it to the trials? (laughs) (laughs) I am not telling you that you can't. (laughs) Okay. Uh, You know what? On that note, I will draw on uh, another quote that I don't have on the list, but these just bounce around in my brain all day. Peter Bromka, who is a, uh, a runner and writer who runs with uh, the Bowerman Group in Portland and fell seconds short of, of making the trial standard for this last cycle, mm-hmm. who over time brought his marathon down from, I don't remember the number, but it was somewhere in the three-hour range to now multiple sub-220 performances. Hasn't gotten below 219, but he's gotten below 220 more than once. So there's a level of consistency there. He wrote this fantastic article. I recommend it for everyone in the lead up to the last Olympic trials marathon entitled Burn the Boat. Mm -hmm. Burn the Boat is an ancient concept. We're going out to explore we're getting to the other side. We're burning the boat so we can't go back. There's no turning back. We mm-hmm. have to figure it out here, now, where we are, and where we are going from here. And in Burn the Boat, one of the most beautiful sentences that he writes is, the pursuit of an audacious goal is as worthy a lifestyle as I can imagine. Mm-hmm. It's having that, and that goal out there that, it might be scary. And maybe we need to come back to this when we do some goal setting in the future here on the show, but it might be scary. It might seem unrealistic and and you don't want to press it. Like me saying, I want to hold the world record in the marathon is just silly talk. It's, it's not happening, but I can raise my ceiling and not be the person who limits himself. And I can pursue that, that goal and the lifestyle that goes along with it. Yep. You got a lot of room to grow still, bud. You're a young pup. That's you're, right. you're entering, mm-hmm. we are three weeks away from your second mm-hmm. true marathon attempt. Yeah. There, you're going to fall f- on your face at some point in one of these. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the learning process. It's part of the TR. It's not the critic who matters. What do you take from it to be successful in the future? But there is so much room for you to grow. And I suspect for the, the folks listening, there's that room as well, that we haven't really pressed our edge. Mm-hmm. And so that, that leads me to a segue of sorts. We, we have a, an interview lined up for the next episode. Two episodes out though, I, I am going to continue from this a little bit with an episode that we're going to entitle Demanding Excellence, What We Can Truly Achieve that we've been selling ourselves short on the few little things that if we refocus on them, if we really want to be great, 
we might just be able to be great. Whatever yeah. great means to us, we might be able to get there with these elements applied to our lives and to our running. Yeah. I have one final quote that I present as encompassing what this show is meant to be about. It comes from uh, Tony Dungy, former uh, professional football coach. This is the second time I've quoted a football coach today. I, you're the football player. You <laughs> lift heavy objects. Uh, I never played a day of football in my life, but often from other sports, we can find and draw motivation. Absolutely. And, Tony Dungy is a fantastic man, and, and I've mm. read over the past few, maybe two, three years here, pretty much all of his work going back. He's written for decade plus now. He wrote an excellent book called Uncommon about that's what we want to be, is uncommon. A lot of what I've read there has shaped me in trying to be a better person, and I, I reference him because so much of what he says actually sinks in. It's not just like self-help stuff. There is a, a, a foundation and faith that he presents through his own life experience that is eminently powerful. In one of his books, Dungy wrote, it's about the journey, mine and yours, and the lives we can touch, the legacy we can leave, and the world we can change for the better. Mm-hmm. That, for my money, is tough to beat. And, and that's what we're hoping to create for everyone who listens. We're navigating this together. We're experiencing the journey. It's not the end point. It's all the miles that go into it. It's all the workouts. It's the tough spots in the race, the ebbs and flows, the hills and valleys. Doing that together here, you and I, it's a journey for us. We help each other through this. Yeah. And then hopefully we can help create that community of runners and, and continue to grow that community of runners who are like-minded and want to make our community stronger and better uh, through our journey. So I, I hope that one or two of these little nuggets that we quoted today leave you more excited, inspired, informed, and ready to tackle your next training cycle or your next race. Mm -hmm. Cosmo, anything you'd like to add, bud? This has been fun. Don't forget to look up. That's <laughs> it. I will close with Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You certainly helped me do that. Likewise. So, thanks so much for listening to Mile 80. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I like this stuff. It kind of gets uh, borderline emotional, and I feel like I need you to hold me. And then I realize <laughs> I'm looking at you in a screen. I'm yeah. not there for your warm embrace on days uh -huh. like today, but I will be again soon. Yes. Yes. Uh, I look forward to it. You know, that, that's mostly what we do in the studio when we record them together. Is, is, Hug the whole time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, the eloquent words of Cosmo, yeah. a.k.a. Boots. Yeah. This has been Mile 80 of Seconds Flat. We will talk to you again soon. Everybody have a wonderful week and happy training.